Welcome to the Shift Podcast. This podcast was recorded on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee people. The creators of this podcast recognize that we are all treaty people and we accept our collective responsibility to each other and to reconciliation as we work towards an equitable, inclusive, and accessible campus for all. On the SHIFT podcast, facilitated by the Student Experience Office, you will hear from students of diverse backgrounds about their lived experiences at Queen's, how these experiences are shaped by identity, their visions for a safer and more inclusive campus climate, and what needs to happen for there to be a meaningful and lasting culture shift. We all want change, positive change. It is very hard to see that right away. So it's more like, oh, if you plant a seed now, you might see that in five or 10 years, but not at this moment. It finally feels good to be like, you know, not quite stand up for myself, but to be like, no, this, this is my name and this is how it's pronounced. And um, I'd like you to say it that way for me. So, and that like, I'm proud to be indigenous and I would love to honor this name. Listeners will also learn about resources that exist for equity-deserving students at Queen's and hear tips for where to find community and support. This podcast is part of the Queen's Shift Project, a collection of initiatives aimed at creating a safer and more inclusive campus culture for all students. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Shift Podcast. Today, we have two very special guests, Ashley and Sashun, um, and I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves. Hi, Sashun Susie, and that means my name is Sashun in Dhaka, which is a native language back home. I'm from BC, and I'm an Indigenous student here at Queen's, and I'm studying chemistry, and I'm in third year. Hi, everyone. My name is Ashley Luo, and I'm a fourth-year commerce student studying at Queen's. I'm from Guangdong, China, and I'm a Chinese international student, and this is the year seven for me in Canada. Very excited to meet everyone here. Awesome. So you both came from, well, farther than I have to Queens. I'm from Toronto. Why did you both choose Queens? Um, Ashley, you could start with this. Yeah, for sure. Um, the reason like I told everyone why I chose Queens is I don't like big lecture or big class size. So when I was in high school, I learned a lot about university in Ontario, and I learned that the program at Queen's offers more class size. And also the lake here is really beautiful. So those are the two reasons I chose Queen's. Um, but besides that, I also really enjoy like town life, like a busy city is a bit overwhelming for me. And also like I know that Queens is a very different place compared to the high school I went to in Toronto. So I want to kind of step out of my comfort zone and see what will happen here. That's a really, really like hard thing to do. It seems like you made a really well thought out choice. Session, why did you choose Queens? So I actually had to do a school project on what our future plans were in grade 10 for I think it was called planning. It was basically like, you know, future careers and things like that. 
And I looked up, you know, some of the best programs in like Canada and Queens was one of the schools that I looked into. And the more I looked into it, like the more I wanted to go. And I just saw like the student life. And um, as Ashley stated, the class sizes were a bit smaller than other big universities. And yeah, it just looked like a great place for me to go. And that's kind of why I, I definitely part of the reason I chose Queens. I just just love the smaller size and the student community. Awesome. Yeah. So you both identified as, I guess, being different than the majority at Queens, right? Um, I'm wondering, how has your experience been at Queens? And do you find that it's any different than your friends who may be of the majority within your respective programs? Yeah, so I would like to share like uh, one experience I had in first year. Um, I would say we have to admit there is a difference compared to the majority because of the identity I have and I share with other groups. So one thing I remember in my first year is I was living in residence and there's a time I went to common room to get water and there were some people sitting in the common room and they look at me, uh, they look straight into my face and they ask me, can you speak English? And I was like, wow, that's just first year, the first few weeks at Queens. And that's the, that's something I experienced, but it's more like when I was in first year, I don't have that like uh, awareness to be like, oh, I have to speak up for myself. So I brush it off and I, I didn't tell my friends, but I feel like, oh, that was not a pleasant experience. And going to second year and third year, I've been taking more um, uh, participation at Queens. So I joined the um, student experience office, joined the Q Success program and taking on other leadership roles at school. And that made me to meet like other good people and uh, having more like positive experience at Queens, but also using my um, way to impact other people, uh, especially international students, because I feel like the way they feel. So I want to support them. But overall, I enjoy my experience at Queens because it's more like you're facing the reality. Because in high school, like uh, I went to a high school in Richmond Hill, Toronto. So we also have a lot of students who are international. So I don't experience anything like that when I was in high school. So it's also good or bad thing that you kind of to see the reality uh, in university. But um, overall, I enjoy my experience, especially when I realize I have to take the initiative and uh, uh, to meet other people who share like common interests and who want to make the school a better community. Mm -hmm. So right off the bat, as soon as you left home, you had to, as you said perfectly, face reality. And I feel like that's something not a lot of 17, 18, 19-year-olds have to deal with. Some people don't deal with it until they're in their 30s. Um, and so that, I guess, shaped how you approached Queens and I guess how you said the rest of your four years, right? You became someone that was driven to make an impact very, very young because of your own experiences. 
Sashan, how has your experience been at Queens and does it compare? I think I've had a pretty overall positive experience at Queens. There have been a few like moments that I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Like, um, I think the year before I got here, um, there was an attack on like the indigenous floor of a residence building. I didn't even find that out until the end of my second year where one of my indigenous friends who um, is in an upper year where she said like, yeah, that was my first year and that was my first like experience on campus. And she like told me how scared she was and like she had like made a big mistake coming to Queens. And I was really, it was weird. Um, it wasn't that I was thankful that that hadn't happened to me, but I, it's just that my experience was so much different than hers. Um, there was a few like, you know, like moments uh, being an indigenous person, like it is very obvious uh, that my experience is different than other people um, in my year or my program or even like in my friend group. For example, I use like not a really Western name, you know, Sashan is sometimes hard to pronounce like right off the bat, but um, I remember like having to correct professors like over and over and over again and I was just like I wish you just put like a second to like think of how it's like how I've corrected you in the past and um how it's pronounced but overall I've had a pretty good experience like a lot of people have um embraced and like acknowledge a lot of indigenous issues especially after like orange shirt day and the 215 and Kamloops and all these other issues are being brought to light. And I um, am really thankful for a lot of these movements coming forward. Yeah. Um, I think we've all seen in the last couple of years, and I guess, Ashley, you could speak a little bit more into this because I'm still, I guess, not as senior as a lot of other students. Um, but I think we see a lot of new initiatives coming through and um, a lot of systemic changes that are are being put throughout Queens to make sure that everyone does feel as if like the decision makers are are trying to make an effort to uh, make changes, right? But something that you said um, about names is really like struck a chord with me. I also don't have a Western name. My name is uh, Malaika and it comes from an Arabic word meaning angel. And so I think you can speak a little bit more on this, but a lot of times names have meaning. And so when people don't say it right or people don't even try to pronounce it, it, it could be kind of turning off or kind of isolating in a, in a group setting. So how's your experience been with that? I know you spoke a little bit with professors, but maybe with peers as well. Yeah, so it did take a little while for me to like finally be like, oh, actually, that's not my name and like correct my peers because it just felt end of the day. It's like you said, it's my name and my name also has meaning like um, Sashan means song of the sun and I like to share that with people. And um, so like just putting the effort to be like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, like I'll say your name correctly, like from now on and like. Remember, even I was so scared to correct one of my friends. She'd been saying it for like six months. She accidentally was saying like Shashun. And um, yeah. and then finally I was like, actually, I know you've been saying it this whole time, but that's not my name. And then I like like got her to say it a few times with me and like I corrected it and she's been great ever since. And like just like moments like that, that it's it finally feels good to be like, you know, not quite stand up for myself, but to be like no, this, this is my name and this is how it's pronounced. And, um, I would like you to say it that way for me. So. Yeah. A hundred percent. Ashley, have you had to experience that? Um, 
being an international student? Yeah, it's a um, it, it's it's a bit interesting for me because for a name like usually different than people here like these are cultural differences people be like oh the name is um, given by my parents but usually like I have my Chinese name um, but I don't use that because um, in high school I, I realized I'm kind of tired to correct people how to pronounce my name so I go by Ashley and I use this name and I kind of like pick this thing for myself and I agree with you like how name is an identity and how it actually represent you because even when even when like the same for language even you use a different language to um communicate with people it still feel a little bit different it's like it's it's like you still want to deliver the message but it, it feel like oh something got covered a little bit a little bit so you cannot um pass the meaning 100% so getting back to name, I would say I, at one point I was thinking, I want to switch back to my Chinese name. Um, so I want to use my Chinese name. So that's my identity. And I want, like, that's how people recognize me. Um, but it's it's kind of like a debate. I was like, but I use this this English name for so long. So am I ready to switch back? Because um, it's more easier be, to be like, I am Ashley versus I, I'm Yunjie, uh, which is my Chinese name, and um, that I have to tell people over and over, just like Sashan's experience. Yeah. Um, I actually have a really similar experience to that. Uh, I didn't always use Sashan. Sashan is a, a given middle name. One day, like before I got to university, I was like, why don't I use it in public? Like, this is a big part of me, and I, I really like Sashan. So, like, why haven't I been using it this whole time? And so, that was like a big change for me to finally be using Sasha in, like in a public setting or like in school and it was like it's really big change but I I'm quite happy with my choice like name is part of your identity right and so how did you decide that like even though Sasha is your name like how did you decide that okay now I'm going to make the shift to go back to reaffirming my identity in this public space it definitely took a little while, like in some debate um, for myself to choose. Like I went to Solus and I like changed all my preferred, like to my preferred name. And um, I kind of tested it out in my friend group first to be like, hey, I'd like to use Sashan if that's like cool with you. Um, I just want to see if I want to continue with this. Uh, I think I'm going to use Sashan in university. And they're like, okay, yeah, fair enough. Like, there was some of my family numbers was like you have a, a name that's like not Sashan and like it was a surprise <laughs> to them um that I had been using a different name the whole time but uh it was also just like you said a, a part of my identity I wanted to like reclaim I remember being younger and like being embarrassed to be indigenous or like wished I had you know blonde hair and blue eyes and then it took a while for me to finally like grow and realize as like my identity and like where I fit into that and Sashan, um, you know, is a name that survived like this like cultural genocide and like all these things. And it was a name specifically researched and like picked out by my family. And so, I don't know, I just wanted to honor that and honor that part of me um, that, and that like, I'm proud to be indigenous and I would love to honor this name. I think you've also spoken about the fact that there was a time when you didn't want to be identified with your 
identities because of the way that they were treated in society, right? Do you feel like coming to Queens has changed that or has helped um, mitigate that at all? Um, Or do you feel that you have to work harder, I guess, to keep elements of your identity? Yeah, I could go with this one. Um, I agree, like name is a huge like identifier about who you are and uh, what culture you belong to or what community. Like I have the similar questions as Sashan. I was like, I have the debate, um, but I know at the end of the day, I identify myself as Chinese and uh, the things I do, for example, the music I listen to, uh, the stuff I eat, like all of those stuff, all of those culture stuff, the components identify I'm, I'm Chinese, but also like some cultures value wise, also like reinforce like my identity. Um, So I figured that name is a symbol but it's like it's like it is very important but to me I figure as long as my belief my value stay aligned with what I really want it to be it's okay I'll just keep this name um but um at the end of the day I I know who I am yeah I think it's really interesting because where I was in my high school experience, I didn't have any friends that were like me, which is so funny because I'm literally from Scarborough. Um, But coming here, I found that Queens has a very strong community. And like, if you find your community in my experience and like what you both have spoken on, like you're able to reaffirm and strengthen elements of your identity that you didn't even have beforehand, right? And I also feel that like in general, the public peers and faculty are understanding and accommodating once you share parts of your identity and like your differences and your practices. Um, But I don't know, what do you guys think about that? I would say like, in terms of like finding identities, um, it's hard because uh, from my personal experience at Commerce, sometimes people talk a lot about like uh, jobs or clubs. And, uh, you know, in order to get into those positions, there are a lot of interviews, right? Um, sometimes the feedback I got, people got is, oh, we don't think you are a good fit, but um, who identify the fit, right? And that kind of ties back to identity. So because th- there's no common traits or stuff that you find relate with this club and or, or this job position, they would say, oh, we don't think you are a good fit. And otherwise you are a good candidate. Um, some of my friends also experienced this. Like at first we would uh, take this kind of like oh we didn't do well enough and uh, uh, we are not good enough for those positions but since I'm in my fourth year I realized that there's always a place for you and for your identity groups if like they don't open the door for you like you should go somewhere else and create like that space for you and your groups 
right? Because if you are not getting respect or um, the things you want from there, you, like let's make our own. So in terms of finding identity, I find like this mentality helped me a lot. Like if I cannot get like the stuff support me or my group, I will just go create my own. Um, and in terms of like fitting in, like it's hard, like even like to any new environment, even just like uh, imagine like a kid going to a new elementary school, they need to fit in. And plus we we share more like um, identity, like culture wise and uh, uh, gender wise. So that make it more challenging for us, but yeah. That's actually a really important thing that you brought up because um, within commerce, um, something that's not spoken a lot about is that club culture has a huge impact on the opportunities, networks, and jobs that you get access to. Like it's almost 50% of your degree. Um, a lot of commerce students um, say that like you can't really get anywhere with a perfect GPA. You need the pers- the extracurriculars and the other experiences. But when we do invite or accept students of all different cultures and a lot of different languages to come study, the opportunities should also be accessible to them, right? Um, And that's actually something that we're discussing a lot now um, and something that I've heard a lot from my friends as well is like, okay, how can we make these club experiences more accessible? And um, there is like accommodation statements and whatnot, but like what are clubs doing to actually be accommodating to people with a language barrier, to people that have all the financial skill, but are just not able to understand the huge words that are put on the page, right? Because they're inaccessible. So actually in your experience, what would an ideal world look like in this situation for you beyond that? Yeah, that's a great question questions my true answer to this is there's no ideal world if we can have like more opportunities for people because we all want change positive change but it is very hard to see that right away so it's more like oh if you plant a seed now you might see that in five or ten years but not at this moment so if ideally um, I was thinking it's more like university will be the place for everyone who have the talent, who have the skills, can do the things that are good for them. Because like university, it's like a playground. Like everyone should come in here, learn something and uh, leave this place with a lot of great lessons, right? So Ideally, I was thinking, oh, everyone can have that opportunity. Doesn't matter like their background. Doesn't matter like uh, what do they have or who do they know. It's more like, do they have the opportunity to become a better person, right? Like if university could offer that space and opportunity, it would be great. It, it actually let people have the, um, like reach their full potential and thinking about, oh, those are the people who will be entering society. And that's the longer impact we can see because all of those good spirits, good characters are going to our society and building the society to become a better place. So ideally, I was thinking, oh, that would be a great place. And how, in my mind, like a university should function, everyone reach their full potential. Mm -hmm. 
A hundred percent. So Shen, can you maybe speak on how or whether or not you you were able to find community at Queens and um, maybe how your experience compares to Ashley's? I was actually really lucky that the four directions always already existed and that it kind of just fell into my lap. My older cousin is at um, Humber College in Toronto and he found that his Indigenous center was like really helpful for him. So when I applied to Queens, my aunt is like, get involved with like the Indigenous center right away. And like in the past, I haven't had like a very positive um, uh, experience with the Indigenous centers in my schools. Like a lot of them were like underfunded or like I didn't quite like enjoy the choices they were they were making with how they're running the center. And I just didn't like to go. But um Queens was totally different and they were like really welcoming and they have all these different like cultural activities and things that I really agreed with and felt at home um, being there. I feel really lucky that it was already established and I really admire Ashley that you couldn't maybe like didn't find quite the community you're looking for and you just create it for yourself and like I really admire that you were like a trailblazer and like making all these spaces for not only yourself, but for the people who are coming after you. I think I want to speak a little bit more, um, Sashen, on you said you joined um, Four Directions. Um, In your experience, do you feel like this also helped you identify systemic issues and like how they impacted your life um and then also equipped you with the proper resources to deal with it um yeah so when i joined the four directions um like i said i found an instant community and i do feel like they provided plenty of resources in my second year i actually was a social ambassador for them so basically like i ran events for other indigenous students and i i feel like uh, the resources they provided um, allowed us to have like a bit more creative freedom. Like I remember I suggested, hey, we should have like a study buddy um, kind of event without anybody there, like keeping me on track. I get so lost in what I'm doing. Um, but uh, so they launched that program and they also have like tutors and things available. Um, so I found a lot of resources there. Um the only thing that I'm thinking about now is that I don't see a lot of people like myself um, in STEM. There's like, of course, the Four Directions has been great, but um, in my day-to-day life, you know, like it's hard just to be, um, you know, being myself an Indigenous person and like having these unique experiences that like um, even my parents, like my mom was the first of her family to get her high school diploma and then go to university but my dad you know like he was a RCMP for a number of years and now he runs a hatchery but like he never went for higher education and you know I'm telling him about these things and like he doesn't quite understand because like you know he never went to university but uh you know that wasn't his fault or anything and I'm just like relaying his experiences that he didn't have but are unique to I feel like myself the four directions definitely helped um, build a community, like a base community, but I would love to open up more resources for people of color in STEM or like even, I know there's lots of women in STEM initiatives and those are great and we love 
uh, encouraging that, but there is always, always room for growth and improvement. I think Sashon brought up a great point, like uh, there's always room for improvement. And if we can have like more faculty base um, support, it would be great because it's kind of like at university, the the power hierarchy is like uh, the top is the faculty members, right? So if there's more awareness and focus in supporting uh, the diversity, inclusions, equity issue, it will be like, uh, it, it will be something like top down, right? Because the top, the faculty member is trying to pass down the value to students and, and to their colleagues, to their peers. And the, the culture will uh, form itself. So people would realize, oh, this is the culture. This is the community we're trying to establish. So I would agree like faculty base is a very important support in the system. And like speaking a little bit more in your experience outside of your faculty, is there anything more that you felt that you would have liked as you navigated first year and maybe like, the pandemic, and now as a fourth-year student, that would have helped you feel more connected. Yeah, for sure. I would say I I'm really lucky because as part of the mentorship program, like we got a lot of training about campus resources, and um, in terms of that, like for the commerce program, we have academic advisor and. Uh, uh, personal counselor. So if students have problem, you reach out to them, they will share campus resource, resources with you. Um, I'm saying I'm lucky because I just met a third year student yesterday and they don't know about personal interest credit, but this is kind of like a, like a thing at, at the program, like everyone can uh, use pass or fail for their elective courses to not impact their GPA. And I realized, oh, this is not like a big thing, but a lot of students still don't know that, right? Because the personal interest credit opened the door for students to take any courses that they're interested, but would not impact their GPA. So that's also like, I, I would consider that as a resource, like knowledge-wise. So I would say like, um, in, in terms to supporting other students, uh, how to make those resources more accessible because they are there. Just people don't know it. Like sometimes even the um, student academic success service at Stuffer Library, they provide like one-on-one -on -one appointment to help students to uh, fix their essay. Like every student can book up to three appointments per semester. It's free, right? Like if you go outside, find a private tutor, it would cost you more than that. So I kind of feel like sad that people don't know about those resources. They're on campus. They're free to everyone, every student, but they just don't know when and how to use it. So I would say, especially during the pandemic time, like uh, everything got so limited. It's like how to make sure everyone know about those campus resources and actually use it to benefit themselves would be something I'm working on right now, but also I want it to be better for future students, like they can use the resources find the exact same thing like working within my faculty working within student wellness within residence life within ams i'm like astounded at the amount of resources that there are there's there's an acronym for everything <laughs> but there's no 
marketing um, for all of these like different resources that are available. And I think that's where the disconnect is. And a lot of times, like that's not even accounting for the fact that like people have language barriers or people don't have time to do their own research because they are like taking on more jobs or they have to put more time into other elements of their life and are not able to focus on like actually reaching out for those resources, right? Session, do you have any experience with those? As like a third year student who's like basically had an online experience for most of university. I think reaching out into using resources has like come very, very gradually. I remember in first year, uh, aside from the four directions, I also signed up for Q6 and I found that really, really helpful. Uh, my mentor was great. She was totally fantastic and on top of everything and like, and she was great throughout my first year, but getting to second year and like, yes, I still had her, but she, you know, had other little mentees now and um, uh, having a in-person experience or semi-in-person, I don't know, hybrid year, I guess, I'm still unique to everyone like you know we were just coming out of uh like virtual fully virtual year I didn't even know where campus like things on campus were um I remember somebody like um somebody coming up to me and being like do you know where this building is I'm like I'm so sorry like I don't even know where my own classes are (laughs) and I wished in second year I reached out and used more resources yeah a hundred percent I think people don't realize that like those resources are there because there's been an established need, right? Like it's not abnormal to reach out to those resources or they wouldn't be provided. I want to thank Sashan for uh, bringing up like how as a first or second year student could be so intimidating to reach out for help. I kind of wish like there's some sort of resources helping or teaching students to not be afraid to reach out for help because when I was in my first year, I never ever visit a professor's office hour on or go to tutorials because I feel like, oh, I don't I don't feel like they can help with my questions. And uh, what would other people think of me if I reach out, ask questions? Do they think I'm not like capable of doing this stuff? I don't know if there should be a resource for this, but I definitely feel like not just me, but some of my friends, they also have the same experience. Like they have a problem, but they just don't know how to take the first step to reach out for help. Uh, I like that you also um, mentioned office hours because I this is the first year I ever used office hours and it was great. Like I really felt like I could bond with my professors, not knowing my teaching staff was like so odd because I came from a fairly small high school. So I knew, you know, I basically knew my, my teachers on like a really personal basis. Like I would get them like Christmas gifts and things like that. You know, I knew them really well. And then coming to university and not knowing who the heck these people are and like what is going on, um, was a jarring experience, but this year has been great. And like connection actually really helped me out recently. I got myself into a situation where I needed like a letter and um, I went to the one professor, I went to office hours to a lot and he was in my corner and like he, like I built this like connection over the semester.
So we've heard a lot about the different resources that are accessible and inaccessible at Queens, but we've also talked a lot about your personal experiences that you've had to face. So in your opinion, what would you say would help create that culture shift that would allow everyone to feel welcome? This is a great question because going back to what we mentioned earlier about like university function, I, I think I have a question. It's like, do we want to educate people or select people who are actually respectful? <laughs> like, you know, I think like still like there's, there's, chance to to help people uh i would say if myself i'm educating myself every day like even sometimes i was thinking oh i'm people of color i'm the minority group but i still need to educate myself on daily basis so i know how to respect other people and i know how to better communicate my ideas creating a culture shift like I I would say we don't have too much control over other people. So it might be easier to start with ourselves. Like I was thinking, yeah, like I am because we learned the intersectionality charts. There are so many identities. Like me, my friends, some groups are just part of it. Like there are many other groups I don't know. So I have, have to learn that. Um on a regular basis. So when next time I, I meet the other group of people, I know how to respect their culture and I, I know um, their language or what something like uh, would bridge um, the communication gap. So the first, uh, first answer to this question is myself. But in terms of university, I would agree like um, faculty members because they are more like people who have more impact over students. So if um, we want a positive culture shift and we want some change, it would be great. Like if the faculty member do any support. Um, I remember something like one of my professor did is he would offer, how do you call that, um, extension? Yeah, like extension mm -hmm. for assignment if student experience any circumstances in their life, like uh, they are very accommodating. I think that's a good way um, to support student because um, sometimes people experience different things in their life. And if the faculty members like professor, they, they know how to support their student, it would be a great way for to, to shape the community as well. And also, like, for example, professor could be like, um, uh, like supporting students by adding like transcript for Zoom meeting, because I was also involved in the Queen's Karate Club. I remember my club president, like they were very accommodating, like for every Zoom meeting we have, she, uh, she will do the live transcript, make sure, oh, the accessibility is granted for everyone who joined this meeting. So by that I like I, I learned a lot like oh if you do this minor stuff not a lot for you but it could be something great for other groups so definitely like changing that uh promoting the culture shift uh starting from myself and also the faculty members I would say yeah I've definitely found in my personal experience as well that like 
a lot of people just don't notice what they don't experience, right? And that's completely valid. So if you're, if you verbalize like, hey, like this is my experience of like, I never thought about it like that. Of course we would want to fix that. Like, why would we want to make you feel excluded, right? And so it's a lot of pressure sometimes putting yourself in that position where you have to speak up or you have to advocate for yourself or you have to ask for that accommodation. But you're creating, as Ashley said before, you're planting a seed. Yeah, I really agree that um, faculty can definitely uh, make or break like these kind of uh, small changes. And I think it's the small changes that grow and like change into these big, bigger movements. Um, and it definitely is like a giant, I feel like a big team effort. Like you need someone on all levels in order to create change. And I think the work we're doing here is great. And that, you know, there's small changes happening up um, in the faculty. Like, uh, for example, I've noticed um, a lot of like land acknowledgements and things like that. And like, um, I remember seeing like you belong here and like you deserve to be here and um just as like a general for everybody like even up to like the dean I know the dean's making policies and things like that and hopefully that will promote change but definitely a lot of small actions lead to these bigger ones all the groundwork shouldn't just be laid on to the people who need the change but the people who also maybe may not benefit from this change that are currently like okay with this the system that's in place. You both have come from so far. What is one thing that you wish you knew coming into first year at Queens? For me, like one piece of advice I would give to first year and my younger self is to be more confident, to believe in yourself and believe that you are capable to achieve the things you want. That confidence is something like um, you need to build. It's more like a system. It's it's hard because for the first time, you would just tell yourself, I'm confident, I'm confident, but that, that's not enough. By being confident, you have to do more tangible stuff. And by doing that, you will see the results. And then you become more competent because you can actually make things happen. Believe that you have the power and you are capable and uh, you have the full control of your life. And that's where your confidence comes from. Um, and in terms of like how to navigate um, university, uh, my biggest advice is reach out for help when you need. Because um, it's very easy, even through the pandemic time, uh, we create that little bubble for ourselves. And uh, sometimes there are too many self-talk or like self-imaging in our head. And that actually prevents you to make connection like Sashan mentioned. Reach out for help. It's easy. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Shift Podcast. For a list of all the resources mentioned in this episode, please visit the Shift Podcast website at queensu.ca slash campuswellnessproject slash shift dash podcast. If you'd like to get involved in The Shift Podcast or have questions or comments in general, feel free to email us at queensshiftproject at queensu.ca.